Chicago, Chicago, that toddling town, toddling town, Chicago, Chicago, I'll show you around. The corner with our magic, our music, our politics. Fires raised as tribal dancers and war cries broke out of different quarters. Power to the people. And just say, Shot City. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to the Sunnyside Podcast. My name is Jessica Tabasa. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Nahez Maniu. I'm one of your hosts. My name is Kasabez Makmar, and I'm back as one of your hosts once again. We the Windy City brought him back in from Medifast, so we are happy to have you. Yes, I blew one on, I guess, the ghost of wind. First time we have all three of us. First time. Sitting and hosting. It's dangerous. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, it also is good. Um, yeah, good. Dangerous in a good way, you know. Yeah, yeah. So we want to welcome you guys to another episode. Uh, I think this will be our ninth episode. Yes. Um, and our second uh, installment of our series on health and healing and all things health, all things brought to you to give you resources, ideas, knowledge about improving your own health and being proactive about jumping in front of your health and being preventative by your health. And it's very interesting when we talk about this notion of health because we can surely go in a number of different pathways and other different ways, but we're fortunate to have had Acosta Natural Healing last week and they gave us a perspective on natural healing and, and well-being and uh, this week, we're going to have the Healthy Hood. That's going to be, we're pretty interested to hear what they have to say and bringing health consciousness to the community. So that's another angle that we want to take a look at. But it's very interesting that I've been thinking about this whole notion of like, if you want to be healthy, especially like in a, a city like Chicago, you have to make a conscious, concerted effort to do so. It's not something that this system has really set up for us to do yeah. you know it's like all these fast food restaurants there's really not a lot of healthy economical choices for us so it's almost like if you're on a budget you're almost kind of trapped into not taking care of your health on a from as far as food intake and then all of the components of, of living in a marketplace yeah. artificial and living in a marketplace because when you live in a marketplace and a lot of people that grow up in chicago that grew up in big cities don't understand that you live and you were born into a marketplace and when you're born into a marketplace and worst off you don't understand that you're born into a marketplace everybody's there trying to fight for your attention trying to fight for your dollar and they're just trying to make the best pitch mm -hmm. And they're not trying to educate you in a way where you can understand the pitch, you can decipher what's the pitch, and you can decipher what's going to be better for my health and for my destiny and for my becoming rather than, you know, the next option. It's just all of the options are given to you, presented to you. And like we talked about last week, often you just go with the options that your elders went with and you don't really give a lot of investigation to what healthy options are out there for me and what even does health mean beyond what the most 
powerful or rich health conglomerate has defined it. Mm -hmm. So it's a big thing. And it's very, this is an important series for us because we want to make sure that we are at least starting the conversation and starting the process of opening that up to where, however you see health now, after this episode, after this series, you're able to see it a little deeper and see what's needed from you as an individual to take responsibility for your own health and to take responsibility for seeking out what will be good for you to improve your health and for you to live in a way that will be more healthy for yourself and your family. Yeah, that's why I'm excited about talking to Healthy Good because once, once I got to learn a little bit more about what they do, they're not just looking at health from an individual perspective, the individual health of the individual human being, but they look at health and approach it from a community perspective. Mm -hmm. And they do a lot of group activities. They do a lot of activism and they do a lot of things to kind of facilitate a, a more conducive community environment for people to live a healthy lifestyle, which is important because it's just difficult to be the only one. I remember being the only one in our family trying to like be healthy, trying to eat healthy, eat natural food, cutting certain things out of my diet. And then people, you know, everyone around me kind of like treating me like I'm crazy, you know? <laughs> yeah, we, we only laugh because we all know it. We all know what it feels like. <laughs> it was like some of us have that kind of resolve to be able to just ignore the judgments that other people are going to send our way. But, you know, not everybody has that. And not everybody is kind of ready to question everything that the whole society is telling them. So, uh, if you're in an environment <clears throat> where the norm is natural, the norm is good health, mm -hmm. then it's easier to just go with what the group is doing. It's difficult to go against it. And uh, yeah, so healthy hood is something that is an organization of, of young people, which yes. is very exciting to see, like very, very inspirational. <clears throat> yeah. Twenties and thirties, like coming together and, and that's what we need and then at the same time not only that but they also have guidance from elders as well mm -hmm. which yeah. is important right they don't just they not just out here saying we gotta do right you now but they also have people who've been through in the struggle and been in, in activist activism yeah in the trenches and have that experience to live wisdom to the young people who have the energy and that's how it's supposed to be. Yeah. Yeah. And hopefully that, you know, after the episode, after we bring them on that youthful energy spreads because not only do I need it, but that's not what I said it. But when you live in a marketplace and you live in a place where it's easier to be unhealthy, you have to have the energy to go and do better, to go and fight about it. You know, when you live in a place where you have food deserts and you don't even have healthy food available close to you, you have to have the energy and the intention to go and seek it out and go and find it. So, you know, hopefully that youthful energy, that motivation to, to do better, want to see better and want to share that betterment with your community spreads. And, you know, we continue to change Chicago day by day. Go get, go get some healthy fruits and vegetables, fresh with some fresh vegetables, bring them back to grandma. You know, I actually got a good meal for you. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it goes. We work together. I thought we said we were changing the guard, so now you're supposed to be making food for your grandmother. Yeah. 
That would be better because you know grandma. Grandma, if grandma likes what she eats, she gonna be like, she gonna toss that bag at you and then they're gonna bring you, bring her what she got in the refrigerator from last night. Stop playing game. No, but I, I only, I only joke because you know sometimes the older people, the elders, the elders, whatever you want to call them, are the most rigid in their ways, but. A lot of times that youthful energy that we have, you know, to want to try new, to be so adventurous and, ex you know, experiment, new experiments. A lot of times that can lead us to finding a, a more healthy path. And then by the example we, we give, it spreads. Not by imposing it on your grandparents, no. not by imposing it on your elders. They don't spread like that. You will only meet, you know, some resistance like that. Yeah, and then people stop really wanting to listen to you. And then grandma stopped cooking for you. And you know that's not what you have to do. No, 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 no. No, my grandma once told me, what you mean you don't eat pork? 90% of your body may have pork. I was like, thanks, grandma. What are you really saying? But yeah, not to, not to, that's not a shot against pork. We all go through. I didn't eat pork when I was 19 to. 27. I never went through that phase. I didn't, yeah. I, stopped I, mean, when I, was, I didn't start back eating pork really until probably the last couple of years. But wait, I went through that phase and like, like my grandma said, like I grew up in like the pork capital <laughs> of the neighborhood. Like everybody comes to my grandma's house to get pork. Really? Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> okay, this, this is not episode about pork. What? <laughs> it's not, it's not. The other word me. But we all, you know, we all can relate to some of those challenges, especially if you have started to try to employ some new, new approaches to your health. So hopefully this, this episode brings a couple more resources. And in this case, the new approach is actually the old approach, which is just exactly. like the way Earth intended. And speaking of going to the new approach to going back to the old approach, yes, we just brought us about Mali, right? Yeah, I have some news about Merita, traditional Africa in general, because now is the time of pilgrimage in a lot of places in traditional Africa. And there's one in particular that was started not too long ago, pilgrimage of traditionalists called Maya Sira. And Maya Sira, I believe, don't quote me, I know that one of the most outspoken about this pilgrimage and bringing people to this pilgrimage is an elder named Koder Joe Misa Dumbia. And he is a activist, traditional activist, writer, uh, who's pretty active on social media. That's where I found him, but he does a lot in, in connecting, you know, traditionalists around Mali and really standing for tradition and saying, you know, we're proud of who we are, where we come from, how our ancestors understand the world, how our ancestors understand spirituality, and we not bow into religion just because, you know, that's the way of the power structure. We ready to stand for our ancestors and who we are. So right now they just started um, the pilgrimage of Maya Sira. I believe today was the welcoming ceremonies, opening ceremonies, and the Earth Center has a delegation there representing us. Some initiates from the Ouagadougou temple are there, shout out to them. And, you know, it's just about sharing the, you know, tradition is about sharing elders, sharing with youth, 
initiates sharing with, with other initiates from other temples and things like that and, and really building the knowledge of the tradition and, and fortifying, you know, our place in our ancestral tradition. So that's, that's a great thing. The Earth Center pilgrimage is also soon going to be starting next month. The, the annual pilgrimage that the Earth Center leads will, will be traveling to Burkina Faso and from there begin traveling around. One of the stops that they will be traveling to is Benin. And in Benin, they do a lot of annual ceremonies right now. The, the annual Voodoo Festival, the largest in the world. People that follow Voodoo come from all over, all over the world to that ceremony that happens on the coast, really the slave coast of Benin. And they do ceremonies there. And then there are ceremonies all the way inland in Benin. So the Earth Center pilgrimage will be visiting some of those temples where they are holding those annual wooden ceremonies. So this is just the season. This is just the time for connecting, sharing, community building, fortifying our ties, you know, because reminding ourselves that people need people. People survive because of people. Nobody survives alone. Nobody succeeds alone. So that's right in line with what we're here to do with Sunnyside Podcast. And we are very pleased to bring an organization today that really represents that themselves in really building community and strengthening the community by investing in the community ties. Before we get to healthy good, you mentioned the slave cults, and I feel like for our listeners and our our viewers who don't really get that reference, most of us probably have heard of the Ivory Coast, the country in West Africa. Also, what's now known as Ghana was known before their independence as the Gold Coast. And Chicagolands, Chicagolanders probably heard of the Gold Coast, right? Don't yeah, we have, Gold Coast. yeah, we have a different Gold, gold Coast. I mean, they, they take the gold from the Golden Coast in Africa to bring to the Gold Coast in Chicago and places like this. You're right. So, yeah, the, this is the place where they extracted the gold, where they extracted the ivory from the tufts of vermilion elephants to make pianos. Mm-hmm. And then to the east of the Gold Coast was known as the Slave Coast, like Togo, Benin, Nigeria. Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> when we say Benin is the voodoo capital, you know, where they have the biggest voodoo, voodoo temples, temples and voodoo ceremonies, voodoo what is it, festival in the world, then You'll see that festival, they have like all the flags around the world of places where captives were taken from that coast to other places in the world and brought into slavery. So nowadays when we hear about voodoo, it's like something scary that, you know, we've been conditioned to stay away from, but really like that's the heritage of many of us because like so many people, so many enslaved Africans came from that, those ports. But that's so interesting because it's like the things that we see as quote unquote scary, that's what we really should be going toward. And that's how it's like intentionally designed that way. And it's interesting because when I go, like last time I was in Benin, 
I saw more people that didn't look like me than did look like me mm -hmm. because there's more people as far as tourists are concerned right. that are coming because they want to know that body of knowledge. They want to know the power Benefit of healing and, and all of these things. It's just a very natural way of living and connecting with the earth and connecting with people and all of this, whereas the modern system has made it something like demonic or evil. And, but again, it's one way to, to manipulate and control people and, and push you away from what you shouldn't be going toward mm -hmm. and guiding you to what you should not. And that's what we're talking about as far as healthy food and healthy lifestyles. Mm -hmm. All yeah. of these things, we have to make a more concerted and conscious decisions to go for what we are supposed to be doing yes. and, and, and do that on a... Uh, very proactive way. And just like you said last week, you know, the we had the proverb last week, not to bring that proverb into this week, but before we get to the proverb for this week, last week we were talking about the the, the lies lies close and the truth is far, mm -hmm. and you have to go looking for it. And that that the the distance between us and the truth. Oftentimes, it's not physical distance that we have to walk, but it's in the mind. And voodoo is like the best example of that. Because voodoo, we can say voodoo, and people can be listening to the podcast at home. If you didn't already cut us off, then you're like, I'm not sure I should be listening. You're probably looking over your shoulder, seeing who is listening to you, listen to us talk about voodoo. But most people don't even know what voodoo means. Most people's, the fear doesn't even let you question well what does voodoo actually translate to all you know is the association you have with voodoo from the cartoons you grew up watching from you know dolls and all of that but the 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 definition of voodoo the concept is really more like and it's it's perfect to be talking about it in the health series because the concept is more about calming yourself to benefit from nature and calming yourself to benefit from the invisible. What in that it's scary. is scary and what in that is not healthy. Mm -hmm. Like nowadays we talk about meditation and we talk about, you know, yoga. We talk about all of these things that are just coming from other cultures that you haven't been miseducated to fear their same attempt at doing the same thing trying to calm themselves to benefit from what's beyond what we're capable of perceiving with our eyes. So shout out to all of those standing for voodoo, standing for tradition, like the elder in Mali, like elders all over the continent, elders all over the continent here who, uh, you know, understand the value of their ancestral traditions, no matter what the propaganda machine of the modern world says. Yeah, we're stronger together. And it's just, it's important to recognize, you know, through unity, we can build a, a better world for all of us, for our children and all this. And, you know, speaking of unity, I just wanted to highlight, because we've been talking in several of our episodes about the developing movements in some of the countries in West Africa, Burkina Faso, Mali, and Guinea. Three of those countries, Mali, Burkina Faso, and Niger. Niger have recently formed a new alliance called the, the Alliance of the Sahel States. Sahel being like the region just south of the Sahara Desert. And they are working together because the, the United Nations, the 
what they call the ECOWAS, the Economic Community of West African States, right? Mm -hmm. And then, like, the African Union, all of them are kind of, like, turning their backs on them because they don't like the, the direction they're taking in terms of, like, taking control over their own countries and their own regions and making sure, like, we aren't going to just have to force ourselves to fit this model that you're saying we all have to fit in our, what type of government you guys are saying we have to have from outside they're taking control over their own country now those world powers that are financed by the france by the french by the united states by the british and so on by the old colonial powers right they're they're the ones who are take turning their backs on them so they say you know we're going to get together and pool our resources pool our talents in our populations to solve our collective issues and one of them <clears throat> one of those issues that they're tackling is security and development in the area called the Liptako Gorma which is kind of like a border region between Niger, Mali and Burkina Faso which is quasi like ungoverned like it's not really un like a clear jurisdiction in the area of who's controlling that region <clears throat> and so, for that reason, for a long time, actually, it had been a very, very strong traditional area uh, because, you know, traditionalists will really aren't being bothered by people who, who are having interest in, you know, imposing their modern values and religions and so on. But recently, I think because of that lack of, you know, probably an armed presence there, it's become a hotbed for terrorists, and not only because of that, but also because of resource interests in that area, like natural resources, you were saying, right? Yeah, like gold and resources there. It's really, Liptako is really what is known as a hidden country in Africa, and it's not the only one, but there are places where, you know, traditionalists deep off in the bush, what you might call the bush or rural areas, are living in places that the borders don't cover. The colonial borders that were created in the Berlin Conference don't reach. And mm -hmm. so you have a few territories outside of those borders. I know on the maps you look at, it seems like all of those borders meet up perfectly. But when you actually you know, see things in nature, the territory of one country doesn't go all the way up to the territory of another culture and then there are some pockets like that where now you have hidden countries where tradition will still thrive because you don't have the influence of the modern culture and what's being done in that modern political state to influence the people and to take them away from their ancestral identity so this really is a big move being done by those revolutionary leaders over there to really protect themselves one and kind of pull out from the prote protection that other countries really have to pay for by you know not doing maybe what's best for their country but still having to do what's best for the colonial powers that they're supposed to have independence from there's a big move for them to to unite to bring together their strengths to protect themselves and then to protect the people which is really the important thing that they keep you know, talking about is the fact that we have to do what's right for our people. We mm -hmm. can't just keep doing what's right for your money or your money or your money way across the sea. We have to do what's right for our people and our people are the ones being starved out because everything is done to ship our wealth and our money to where you guys are and our people aren't. So 
you know. And, and <clears throat> what ends up happening with these with the terrorist situation that you know some of our communities, the the Nava families in Eastern Burkina Faso, which is close to that Liptako Gorma. Yeah, Master Nava even spent time growing up in Liptako Gorma. Uh -huh. I visited there with him. Yeah, I, I, I always wanted to go, but recently we haven't been able to go there because, you know, the terrorist situation, a lot of people have been chased off of their land and having to live in the city. Almost like, you know, what they call internal displaced people. It's mm -hmm. like, almost like a refugee in your own country. Mm -hmm. So, you know, hopefully these new leaders of these countries will be able to return some stability to these regions. Definitely and allow people to go back home. Absolutely. That's the most tragic of all of it, to be displaced from your own home of generations upon generations, uh, and then to have all of this purposeful terrorist uh, being waged, and it's not from the indigenous people themselves, it's from those outside colonial forces and powers that are imposing those things and, and, and tapping into regions that used to be just seemed like untouched, like mm -hmm. they're so pristine, so beautiful, it's almost like you stepped into heaven when you go there mm -hmm. uh, because it's just immaculate and, and just such a natural way of living. Mm -hmm. But to now to see that those people are also being impacted is is just heartbreaking. Definitely, yeah, it is. And and yeah, I was actually in one of my travels talking to a brother who works. He does some kind of like, you know, sensitivity training for these mining companies. And he said that since terrorist activities have increased in Burkina Faso, mining activities have been increasing at the same time. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of a clear sign, like you know, if countries are scared for their well-being, if countries are being destabilized by terrorist activity, then they're probably going to want to reduce their activity to avoid danger mm -hmm. and go someplace else. But when when these places are becoming destabilized, this is when mining companies see their opportunity to get resources on the cheap because they, they can just pay the, they can avoid paying the you know government taxes and going through the government and going through the, you know, the bigger aspect of the population and just go through sort of specific like terrorists who just want you know they just want some ak-47s um the other thing i wanted to mention too is that you know i was talking to one of the elders one of the nava elders and you know i was just asking about you know the prospects of going back to their land and everything he's like you know what he's saying is for some of the younger people in in their communities there that they're getting more used to just being in the city life. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I would hate to see a situation where now that they have the opportunity to go back, but now they don't want to. You know, I mean, we see that with our communities here in the United States where a lot of us, you know, parents, grandparents may have left the land and now yeah. we don't have the opportunity to go back because some people, you know, abandon that now that it's yeah. no longer an outpost for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, that's the, the corruption that's within every human being. It's like when you don't know, you're comfortable living in with challenges, comfortable living with facing nature every day. But when you get conditioned to the easy way, the comfortable way, once everything is provided for you, then that's what you think is the right way. But we can see how destructive that is. And, and hopefully the people who are facing those challenges will come around 
and realize the value that they have in those in their own homeland. Yes. That's how it's it's interesting because we're trying to get there and there many of them are trying to get here mm-hmm. and it's because we see the destructive forces at play and how it's impacted our lives and for generations we don't have that that hook to be able to go back to our birthplaces, our our homelands. Mm-hmm. With them having that, it's like you take it for granted. And, and it's just hopefully the balance will return to them as well. Well, some of them take it for granted, and many of them know, you know, like this elder leading the Maya Sierra saying, you know, let's stand now for our way of life, for our, you know, indigenous systems. Mm-hmm. Like we, on past pilgrimages, the Earth Center has visited some palaces, some kingdoms where the ministers tell us, like, make sure the people in the West know, make sure our relatives in the West that were taken there know that when they look and they see the way we live, we live in mud huts, we choose to live this way because we get to stay next to nature and we get to then learn from nature, follow its principles, follow its timing, and that's where good health is, you know, that's where being in harmony resides. So a lot of them are being misled or led away from that, but a lot of them know that that's really where there's a great wealth and, you know, where their connection to their heritage and the, the wonder of nature and the power of nature is. So they don't want to leave it. They don't want to be developed. They don't want to be well, rich and wealthy in the, in the new terms. They'd rather be wealthy according to nature. So... Well, we can go on and on and on, and for sure we'll get our opportunity to talk more on these topics. But we don't want to take away from our guests, who we're very excited to be bringing you from Healthy Hood. You're going to have to remind me that. No, don't try to, don't try to do that. Alan, um, and, Alan uh, and Tanya. 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 And yes, it's important to bring, bring them on because, you know, the same thing we're doing, same thing we're talking about where people are trying to protect each other instead of relying on the systems is the same thing that you know we see these young people doing out here with this organization healthy hood and really trying to protect it their their own people and their communities trying to build that community and try trying to really perpetuate that idea of people protect people we don't need to rely on the systems we don't need to wait for the handouts it's people that protect people people have the power people have the skills we just have to learn how to come together share them grow with one another and make the changes that we are all looking for and i think we all can learn from the example that these young people are setting right now so you know unfortunately we don't have a whole lot of space on this table here so i'm gonna have to exit stage left and I'll be catching you on the other side of this interview. Well, this is the moment we've all been waiting for. We are so excited to have Alan and Tanya here today. We've told you all about Healthy Hood, and we had a chance to take a peek into Healthy Hood, but we want to hear it from you for our listening audience to your perspective. What is Healthy Hood, and why did you get it started? Healthy Hood Chicago is a revolutionary organization. It was initially created to combat the 20-year life expectancy gap that exists in Chicago between communities of color and affluent white communities. It's actually the largest life expectancy gap in all of the country. And that's because Chicago is historically the most segregated city in all of the country. Because that life expectancy gap really highlights that the health inequities that exist in this country are actually, you know, 
related to race, right? Because of how segregated we are, we have that life expectancy gap. We take an extremely comprehensive and social justice approach to health and wellness. Mm -hmm. We believe that in order to be a healthy person, you have to exercise the body, educate the mind, and awaken your conscience. In the hopes that in the process, right, even if that's through resources that we provide, while we are providing those resources, we are educating our community members on how they can contribute to the solution mm -hmm. and create community sustainability. Mm -hmm. And so we do that in a variety of different ways. We have wellness classes. We are in about 21 different CPS and alternative high schools in Chicago teaching about the life expectancy gap. And we say arming our youth mm -hmm. with the tools uh, that they need to combat that and teach it to their to their family members. We also have a lot of political education offerings out of our space. We are definitely involved in policy change in different kinds of ways. And we have now one one of what we call like the soul of the organization, which is our arts and culture program. And I'll let Alan talk a little bit about that because Th that's a newer addition to Healthy Hood Chicago, and it comes as Canvas, and, and that really was his is his contribution, I should say, to the movement, among many. But yeah, you want to talk about our arts and culture program? So Canvas, we started in 2017, and uh, our two missions uh, were, one, teach youth how to monetize their craft, how do you make money off the cool, amazing things you make, mm -hmm. um, and then two, illuminate unity through creation. Mm -hmm. um, at the time, before we had really got into tune with each other, um, it was just like a language barrier for like our community that we were building. We knew that arts and culture were very much needed in our communities and still like acknowledging the 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 racial disparities that existed like in our our communities our black and brown communities the first thing that would go during like funding drops would be arts and culture programs mm -hmm. and they were seen as not needed mm -hmm. and in these affluent communities like the first thing in some of these kids hands are an instrument or like a crayon or music and dance and it's 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 very clear that these are fundamental to like the programming of what we are as humans, people of color, people of culture, people of creation. That's, mm -hmm. that's how we're, we're, we all come to be. So we started a bunch of programs, uh, myself and a few of uh, my community members, that we knew we needed, you know, very much mm -hmm. uh, ourselves. And just going and communicating with other great creators that, that bring uh, this type of programming in. And we started expanding. We got into tune with Healthy Hood. And one, it allowed us to take like a lot of political education but like implement that into the programming and expand that. So now we're, yeah, we, yeah. Well, that's what's so interesting about your organization because it's like, one, the name is very cool, <laughs> Healthy Hood, mm -hmm. but then at the concept of it is so dynamic too because you can go in so many facets, so many different ways. Why did you particularly pick the avenues and the pathways that you did? Alan was expressing the whole notion of we pick things that we need, we think, things that we know that our communities needed to be served but that whole notion of healthy mind healthy body healthy uh, consciousness how did that dynamic come together I guess I would say also you can thank my sister for the name because she came up with it mm -hmm. shout out to Yo-Yo Jolene mm -hmm. um, 
I would I, I would say like so when I when I founded Healthy Hood in 2015 I, I really was just teaching Zumba for a dollar mm-hmm. out of mm-hmm. my parents church mm-hmm. and the reason that was happening is that I had read The Death Gap by Dr. Ansel while I was in college at that time I was studying for political science and religious studies but I had learned about the Cuban healthcare system via my parents and then read Dr. Ansel's book about the death gap, which is about the life expectancy gap specifically in Chicago. And I was going to college in Naperville. Mm-hmm. And so I was realizing, kind of similar to how he talks about art and culture, that in these affluent communities, you know, because of their financial situations, it's not like a stretch to do preventative things to keep their health in order, right? Mm-hmm. Like, they're working out, they're going for walks, it's mm-hmm. safe in their neighborhoods. Like, they don't, ha- you know, mm-hmm. it's not a worry in the world, mm-hmm. right? They just don't have to worry about how much Pilates is or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so going from Naperville, commuting Naperville back to my, my very immig- immigrant majority population of a neighborhood, I could see that there was just this vast difference in prevention difference in prevention and so it, it was just like what do I do like what I, I'm in college I don't have a degree yet you know not a doctor and I can see that that disparities are just so one end of the spectrum and the other from Naperville to Pilsen and so I was like well I can kind of dance Zumba seems pretty easy I literally just bought a DVD this you know at the time it was all like you put DVD and you you do it at home or whatever mm-hmm. so I bought the DVD and I just learned mm-hmm. all of the dances on the DVD and then taught it for free mm-hmm. out of my parents church mm-hmm. but because of the need the need was so great it it just like was a magnet and so many I would say like middle-aged comadres we call them like you know like co-mothers mm-hmm. they're in okay. 40s 30s 40s mm-hmm. we're like packing up my mom's church and eventually I had to go into like a gymnasium and things like that and so with that same concept because it, it started from there all of the programming that had developed had developed afterward as in the organization came from that model it was like okay what is the need Okay, who do we need to get involved? Who's, who, do, who are the experts in our own community that can provide, you know, whatever the resources are to meet that need? And that's really how we established, like, our model. So it started with, like, fitness classes, and then it went to mental health programming, and then it was political education, and then it was arts and culture programming and so forth. But it all stems was like, oh, this is what is neat because the people are here so we can see it, you know? Like, they're coming here all the time, whether it's for Zumba or because they need food from our free food program, the community is in our space consistently. So it's easy to see, oh, now it's time. Our people are ready for revolutionary education. Now it's time. Our people are ready to start talking about their nutrition, right? But you can't get there, uh, you know, like you can't, you can't lead ahead of the masses, right? So you got to allow the masses to kind of tell you the need of the community. So that's really like, I wouldn't say we chose it, you know, like other nonprofits will be very specific on what, they do and who they serve and what demographic is and it's like well we really don't do that in Mm. our space because we know that the demographic is diverse and it's young and old and we need everybody involved Mm. so we just kind of go where god leads i feel like Mm. but yeah interesting it's uh, welcome by the way (laughs) to tanya and alan before we get more into kind of where it grew i don't want to not mention the fact that Though that's how it started, you also had some wisdom already in community building because you come from a legacy here in Chicago, you know, that that has been built. How did your family really influence that in you, would you say? I mean, they are the influence. (laughs) (laughs) They are the influence. 
because my parents were both activists, my mother is an internationally recognized immigration activist here in Chicago. Her brother, uh, Rudy Lozano, was assassinated in 1983, shortly after the election of Mayor Harold Washington. For well, we say this is the reason he was assassinated, for building the Black and Brown Coalition that got Mayor Harold Washington elected. Mm -hmm. um, and my mom just really picked up that torch. She was already working alongside my uncle at the mm -hmm. time. And so she just picked up that torch and just ran with it and has done, I mean, she's literally like an angel of a human being has done such incredible things. But on that campaign trail is where she met my father, who was at that time working on the campaign for Mary Hill Washington, but before that had been a part of the Rainbow Coalition with Chairman Fred Hampton. And long before that, he was in at SNCC and then, you know, did, he just did, he has a really incredible life as well. Um, both. Um, coincidentally from Texas which is pretty wild and so yeah I mean I like grew up like that like I came out of the womb experiencing what you know service really looks like and what devoting your life to change looks like mm -hmm. and so you know in the same in the same sense that maybe some other folks are programmed or some people would say indoctrinated in ways to like ignore injustice and become complacent exactly. I was programmed, in, in, in a sense, indoctrinated to be like, when you see it, you say something, exactly. you do something about it, you know? So exactly. it just, yeah, I mean, and my mom carries this real strong sense of pride in being Mexican mm -hmm. and being a part of that people, mm -hmm. right? And she always talks about fight for your people, right? Mm -hmm. My father, on the other hand, is, is white mm -hmm. and came from a, a semi-racist family and ra kind of ran away and like mm -hmm. was radicalized through his education mm -hmm. and through his friends and, and really just devoted his entire life and almost like just didn't mess with his family because of it. Mm -hmm. And so I had kind of those two perspectives, right? Which is like one, I'm trying to connect with as many oppressed peoples as possible because I want to be a part of the solution. And then this sense of like nationality, right? And like, this is who we are and this is who we fight for. We are mm -hmm. the indigenous of this land. And so I think that's their influence created what I am, mm -hmm. right? Which is like, I'm just, I'm trying, I'm a unifier. Like, I believe that all oppressed people should unite for people power against the oppressor and so forth. And so, yeah, I mean, obviously, they, I mean, they influenced everything. Mm -hmm. they, even my thought processes, I feel like, come so much from, like, what would my dad do? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, like, how would my mom say this? Because she's so funny, you know, like, those kinds of things. <laughs> and then you also have siblings working in Healthy Hood, too? Mm -hmm. My sister is the third chairman of um, our organization, Jolene. She also came mm -hmm. up with the name Healthy Hood Chicago. Oh. I'm glad that's on record now, because she mentions that to me all the time. <laughs> <laughs> I tell so, yeah, she's our third chairperson. My niece, Daisha, is a cadre member. Um, and yeah, my mom is still the pastor of oh, the Spanish a, Service a chair, Church. She's a chairperson too. She's a chairperson too. Yeah, she, yeah. She, she, she is. She's a chairperson who don't get to, doesn't have to do all the things that we uh, do, right? She's the she's elder. Yeah, she's she, yeah, she paid her dues, yeah, you know. Yeah. But she still gives orders. Yeah, <laughs> so that's what the elder has to do. You know, to you know, yeah. become your consultant. Exactly. She can receive, receive the, receive. Your question is looking for guidance. And you all sit in a unique situation, not unique because it happens all over the world, but the ones who are the indigenous, the ones who are the original landowners, at some point that table gets turned and it's like now you're the outsider looking in. Now you're the one who needs 
uh, to be let into where you were originally the indigenous face and, and people. Uh, how does that kind of maybe sway or maybe drive the movement that you're a part of? Yeah, I think that drives it in the sense that it, it creates global thinkers. Mm -hmm because you're no longer in the bubble of the United States and in the bubble of what we call the belly of the beast, mm -hmm. right? Um, which is this idea, like that's why I can find, you know, empathy and stand in solidarity with the Palestinian movement, mm -hmm. right? Because we understand what it feels like for our land to be taken from us and then now to be the strangers or the ones excluded, second-class citizens and so forth. Something that the undocumented community has been dealing with in this country since you know generations so i would just say it allows it allows for our organization to act as a truly revolutionary organization in the sense that we can see the political landscape from a bird's eye view instead of looking at it just from what our problem is and how you know the people around us are affecting that when we think about the problems we face in chicago they're not disconnected from what the federal government is doing and not just here in the U.S., but all over the world, right? Mm -hmm. We think about the Venezuelan migrants coming here, like that's because of the sanctions on Venezuela. Mm -hmm. and, and the way, in the many ways in which the United States occupies not just their land, but a lot of uh, lands in Latin America and in Africa. So we we can see that, and so we won't we won't we don't have to play into this like. You know, it's this game here, because, you know, it's this it's a game to divide and conquer. It's been the strategy forever. And if we find ways to constantly divide as oppressed people, then the oppressor continues to, to be oppressed. So, yeah, I think that that's really what, like, being Mexican means to me and how it drives the way that we move as an organization. It's not so much that I have this, like, super loyalty to just my people and only my people but like that it helps me stand in solidarity and see things from from a bird's eye view and how like we have so many similarities as oppressed people all over the world mm -hmm. absolutely absolutely and it, it's interesting because we can see that you your movement is based upon people deciding like what we what are we going to do next so you said you have 20 different programs that you offer now are these people did they come to you or did you go to seek them as to what was the next step how were the, um, those programs come together mm, I, a little of both i mm -hmm. guess like we would see a need and be like for example like the mental health program mm -hmm. like uh, we're not therapists what do we you know and so we're just like yo our people need therapy like who are therapists of color that want to at least donate one or two sessions a week mm. still make your money wherever you're doing it right because we're not going to ask you to do too much and it mm. affect your livelihood but how can how can you be given an outlet to be able to plug actually plug into your own community which is a lot of the reason why any person of color really gets into certain fields right they kind of see a need or they say i want to contribute in this way, mm -hmm. um, especially people in the health realm, right? Like, man, I became a nurse because I know I've seen my mom go through something and I mm -hmm. want to be there and, and so forth. But then there's no real infrastructures in any of those spaces for you to be able to serve in that way for your own community, mm -hmm. right? And so we just provide a space and a way for them to plug in. Or here's an opportunity. We'll give you the space. What else do you need? <laughs> you know, like, but please provide what you have, your skills, your talents, you know, your gifts right. to, to your own people. And the universe never makes mistakes. Like, it, it definitely provides whatever energies we need there. Like, 
I think Sunday sessions is a big uh, a big opportunity for those needs to kind of like present themselves as well. Mm-hmm. It's it's where a lot of different pro like the men's program started out of like just the need for it conversation. And now that's it's starting to grow in, in this beautiful way because our, our men need that. They mm-hmm. need a space where it's it's just them and they can kind of present their problems and solutions and it, it's, it's, it's beautiful. Minds to go. Same well, thing with Sunday Sessions. Well, let me, because um, Sunnyside Podcast is really aimed at providing solutions to our listeners who are in Chicago who are looking for solutions to the problems that we face in the in the neighborhoods of color and throughout throughout all neighborhoods, not to bring any more divisiveness than there already is. But we mentioned a few things. You mentioned the mental health program, you mentioned Sunday service, you mentioned men's groups. Can you give some details about how they function, when they are, if people are interested, where they can reach out to? Absolutely. So the men's the men's program it's uh host the space is held by a brother named Ade, he's so amazing. That's on Saturdays, every Saturday from one to about two thirty. Mm-hmm. And everything is provided. You just there's a, like a a bit of a fitness portion that we start with. So mm-hmm. come comfortable. <laughs> Sunday sessions is every Sunday at eleven, eleven a.m. and that goes to about one thirty. So many different tools within that, mm-hmm. in, including the the community that's already provided, which mm-hmm. is such a, a key element to it. Seeing it's it's like almost affirming to have others healing. Mm-hmm. While, while you need that healing sometimes you know we just need to see what it looks like mm-hmm. without vision the people perish and they, they just need to see what it looks like to to go through or just start that process so sunday sessions is, is huge for me right now in sunday sessions we have a brother chris lamarck from coffee hip-hop and mental health they're located on the north side and i know he he provides like his organization provides therapy, free therapy for, for people. And it's it's a coffee shop, but it's uh, donation-based. So mm-hmm. if, you, if you got $1 that day, the coffee going to be a dollar. If you got $50 and you buy your coffee, like you can go ahead and donate that. Mm-hmm. And it all goes towards funding for, for therapy for, for our people. So in, on top of that, there's like peace circles from our brother, Mashan, Mashan Ali, which are going to start kicking back up in January. And that's going to be super powerful. Peace Circle training, if you want to start holding space. It's a lot of different programs. And what's Peace Circle about? So it's a restorative justice-based practice that we we sit in circle and we we get to know the humans that are sitting next next to us, across from us, on, on the most foundational, pure, authentic human level. And it's like this practice where if we can acknowledge the human in us mm-hmm. before we start to talk about our differences mm-hmm. or the things that on a, a social like standard currently would be divisive or just our disagreements right. Th- those tend to to create barriers let's get through the barriers before we even know the the mm-hmm. conversations we'll have to Coming disagree yeah. then we're listening to understand and not mm-hmm. just agree on everything so I, i've taken the training and uh, a bunch of our cadre members have taken the, the training. It's above like having the ability to hold space for others, just the space that you learn to hold for yourself mm-hmm. is the most powerful element. Like learning things, and it's a five-day training. So you take this whole week and it's, it's hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a hard, like radical listening. Mm-hmm. Like to, to know how to listen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, like, that's actively, a listening skill. Woo! 
in a lot of places in the big city. You know? it, and it's, Most people don't know how to listen. But it's also affirming knowing that you have it. And there's there's a bunch of people that, that went through it and it was hard for all of us. Mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. Each and every one of us admitted it was hard. And after, like, success, we, we just did that. Mm-hmm. Not one person mm-hmm. quit. Mm-hmm. It was cool. It was nice, nice. <laughs> I mean, that's what's interesting about, you know, life in the big city is that so many fundamental skills and just ways to know ourselves and know each other and learn each other get left behind in the chase in the rat race but what i really appreciate about healthy hood is that almost like the name says shout out to your sister one more time <laughs> like the name says you not only are approaching the improvement of our individual health but you're also talking about the community's health and i know collective health and i know you guys do a lot of work in terms of that too i know you guys just have some victories yesterday if you want to speak about that yeah i mean chicago again like not to continue to highlight the the divisiveness but again it's a small segregated city chicago chicago Chicago. and that's that's very intentional, right? Mm-hmm. We can go all the way back to daily and talk mm-hmm. about redlining and all that, but it's so boring. But it, you know, mm-hmm. that's the truth. So that's what right. we, this is what it's we live. It's our reality. Mm-hmm. And right now, we have a situation where Southern right wing Republicans are busing Venezuelan migrants to Chicago. Mm-hmm. I think we're almost at thirty thousand this year, mm-hmm. and you know. For me, it's no surprise that they would dehumanize the people and use them as political pawns in such a way that they have, mm-hmm. because they're doing that in Palestine, they're mm-hmm. doing that in Congo, they're yeah, doing it everywhere, time. right, Cuba. Yeah. So, you know, f- those migrants being used as political pawns are being used to disrupt the unity that really has been created over the course of the last two or three years since the assassination of George Floyd. Mm-hmm. You saw a young population of Chicagoans come together from diverse communities to stand up against that injustice. And finally, from us, especially in Chicago, when we talk about the police, right? They have a very specific reputation here. And so since 2020, then we saw that that momentum helped elect Brandon Johnson as a new progressive mayor here in Chicago. The first progressive black mayor since Harold, right? Mm-hmm. That was in the 80s. Mm-hmm. So it's been like more than two decades of us, you know, trying to get get that energy back here. And, you know, we know that it's working because the right wing see it. Mm-hmm. And they're intentionally trying to disrupt that. And so, um, and it's not just uh, between black and brown. It's also between different facets of brown people here, mm-hmm. right? Like the undocumented who already been here, the citizens who are here who now own property and live in neighborhoods and now these migrants right and so what we decided was because we're seeing how uh, communities are being used specifically black communities asian communities to say we don't want them here and Mm -hmm. you shouldn't give them this because that means you're not giving us enough and you should be giving that to us and so forth it's a very adversarial us versus them approach and it's working to a degree, right? Because mainstream media highlights that. And they play their role too. Meanwhile, there's people like us who are sitting in circle, who are mm-hmm. having big activations all over the city, bringing all type of communities together. But we just said, you know, we're not going to make it us versus them. We're just going to say, whatever you're giving them, give it to everybody. Mm-hmm. Not don't give it to them and give it to us. Because mm-hmm. that's not the kind of politics we want to play. Mm-hmm. 
And so we introduced a resolution to city council yesterday via Alderman Jesse Fuentes of the 26th Ward, mm-hmm. whom we love dearly. I actually went to high school there, so she introduced a resolution that says, you know, we want the same work permits and protections. Vasquez, yes. But she introduced it, though, to that committee. So he's the chair of that committee, political education. Which is that, you know, the work permits and the temporary protections are giving to the new migrants, the asylum seekers coming here. We want that extended to all 11 million undocumented people all over the country. That's what Biden promised when he, during the Obama administration, so that was even longer ago. And we're just saying, as city council, we want city council from Chicago to say, Biden, keep your promise. And we did the same thing at the county level with Tony Preckwinkle, president of the county, um, and it got passed in both the city level and the county level. There was definitely some, what we call agent provocateurs there, right? Like, people who clearly were paid to come mess with us, but we... As a cadre, prepped for that. We understood we were going to be provoked. We made sure that we were going to go there and be disciplined and do what we needed to do, and that's what happened, and we won. Mm. So, yeah, I mean, it just proves organized people, man. Yeah, well done, well done. And you mentioned cadre. For the listeners, can you explain what cadre is and how that's related to healthy hood? Yeah, for sure. I think Alan talked about a lot of the programs that we have, and they all kind of... They all work together to build our organization up as a revolutionary organization. We are modeled after the Black Panther Party in a lot of ways because our programs reflect their survival programs. And so the idea is that uh, Sunday sessions, we say, bring your worst self. This is where we expose the scars. We work on the wounds together. We, we have this collective healing session. You know, and after a while, when you become kind of disciplined, at least enough to come to Sunday sessions, even if late, right? We offer, okay, be ready to take the next step in your healing process. We invite you to join a cadre, and the beginning of, a, of the cadre is Freedom Track, mm. which is where we do sit in kind of these peace circle type of things. They're more intimate, they're more intense. We learn history, we learn what the revolutionary language is, different than vocabulary. Mm-hmm. And then they eventually form their own cadre, and they meet on their own, um, and community responsibilities are passed between cadres for the organization. Mm. And they, it's weekly, it's a weekly thing. Sunday sessions is every Sunday, cadre could be once, it's one once a week, depending on what cadre it is. And then, you know, when, when you become a cadre, there's different things that are, like, things that you get access to, um... Like the hood method, right? When we get you, make sure you have primary care physician, you know, you get groceries delivered to your door, healthy vegetables, fruits. Mm. So you have a system, right? The idea is if the, the system that exists is so consistent, mm-hmm. so much so that it works like a well-oiled machine and we do the job for mm-hmm. it, mm-hmm. that we need to re- provide a consistent, comprehensive system for our own people. So that means the groceries are to your door. You got fresh peppers and apples and oranges, you shouldn't be going and eating McDonald's, mm-hmm. right? You got cadre every week, so you sitting in some kind of group therapy session, mm-hmm. what we, our version of it, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's Sunday sessions where you're getting all type of perspectives and different kinds of political education mm-hmm. and so forth. So just really providing our people with a structure. And to be honest, I was really inspired by Canvas because Canvas was mm-hmm. doing that in a way for their artists, okay. for their creatives, you, mm-hmm. would, you would say, right? Like, mm-hmm. how many programs can we put in place so that they can get whatever they need to be the best creator that they can be? So we just kind of implemented that that into like the overall organizational structure so that creatives and intellectuals and academics and health professionals and everyone alike could be a part of something that's, you know, some kind of like centralized structure. Yeah, beautiful, beautiful. Um, and for all of our listeners out there, the youth who are, you know, looking to get involved, looking to make a change, you know, 
you see there's people out here doing it and people out here even sharing their experiences and their uh, political, political education to equip each other with how to, you know, be a forceful change. But I wanted to come back to Alan because we got to hear a little bit of the backstory of Tanya, but Alan, how did you get into, you know, community community work, community building, social change, arts and culture, you know, what's how did you get how did you get started? How did Canvas get started? Man, so I my brother and I we used to, to dance a lot. I feel like I've been all over you the country. You had a big dance. smile when you said that. Yeah, that was like a, a whole lifetime. <laughs> We're in my company. This one likes to dance as Nobody well. Nobody wants to hear <laughs> crazy. <laughs> now we know. Now we know. Now we know. I'm like, you have no idea. Absolutely, absolutely. It's, 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 it's in us. It's not blood. Now we know, though. Oh, yeah. Thank we you expect you to be moving and grooving on yeah, Sunday. See, see what you've been doing to out the bag <laughs> um well, from dance we that that really kind of put us in a, a different space in life going from not really having much and, and living like trapped in this scarcity mindset to having an abundance uh, my brother and i we don't we don't necessarily always see eye to eye he's like a super capitalist what brothers do? um you know, you know. Um, and then um, I feel like I'm a socialist. You call him a super capitalist? Super capitalist. <laughs> I'm talking about like the sell everything. <laughs> like, buy, 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 sell, sell. Like that's that's how his mind works, and it's so dope. Um, we learn from each other, and mm -hmm. it's 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 a really cool opportunity to have somebody that's like on the complete other side mm -hmm. <laughs> for perspective purposes, and it's it's cool because there's some things that I agree with, and then there's some things that I'm like super no. Mm -hmm. But for the platform that we had, I, I felt we weren't giving nowhere close to what we were receiving. Mm -hmm. And so I also had a child, so took a, took a little hiatus on the dance. And when I got more back into the business, it was instead of just like being on the platform and taking advantage of the platform, how can we create a platform that is sustainable for our people and that pushes and teaches sustainability and at first it was on a monetary level because even though I don't necessarily like rock with capitalism we are living in it you had a so job you, you get what I'm saying so very much I had a whole job like I was a commercial lighting technician so I was traveling doing lights everywhere and still trying to keep the the creation flowing mm -hmm. and how do we monetize that again so um above like creating sustainability on the financial level how do we also like create community out of it and that's where the second mission of canvas came in illuminate unity through creation and it was like i know that programs were like youth programs in my life they were important not just because like oh it was basketball and i liked basketball but mm -hmm. it was the figures that i got to see like the older people that looked like me that motivated me with a mm -hmm. statement and oh so this dude's not out here like there's other people doing other things like, wow, this is super cool. How do we do that as young people, you know, and create uh, safe spaces, create empowerment? Like I, I heard this really cool quote, uh, a friend of ours, Johnny Page, he said that we don't have a violence problem. We have a value problem. A lot of our people don't want to hurt each other, but their love for themselves are so low. Their knowledge for themselves are so low. Their value for themselves are so low that what is stopping them from valuing anybody that looks like them mm -hmm. and this this idea of that is like man how do we combat that mm. and so we started creating a bunch of different programs not, again not having the language we before i took peace circle training never sat in a peace circle in my life 
But we created these huge circles, these healing circles. And I'm talking about there were 75 to 100 people in these circles just crying, giving each other advice, like talking. And we would always have, like, I would just sit there and think of different things. Like, like I bought a, one of the healing circles, I bought a bunch of personal mirrors. So everybody that came in, you got a mirror. First time with sticky notes, like little different things and very much similar to values now. Shout out to Brother Mashan. But like there was always some, a way that we can engage with whatever whatever's going on. And I felt like, man, it just, it created more chemistry amongst our people, the, the, the idea of the collective consciousness. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, after doing that for so long, it was... Wait, how, how old were you when you started that? Because you don't look that old right now. Yeah, I'm 27 currently. I started it when I was about 16, 17 years old. Okay, wow. So, and um, your brother's older or younger than you? My brother's 15 months older than me. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, creating for a minute. Mm -hmm, it's, mm -hmm. it's, it's been a really cool ev yeah, evolution. And he had his own community center space. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So and we also were in Park. <laughs> like, yeah, the, man, there's it's a beautiful history, like I said. It's mm -hmm. been, and it's a journey. It's been a journey. So, we went from my living room to a space that a friend had like built an extension onto the house, and they were renting out this extension. It was really small, but it, it did its work from mm -hmm. the beginning of it. And this whole time, community building. And then mm -hmm. we moved to the west side of Chicago and had a 250-square-foot room, very similar to this. Mm -hmm. But each wall gave a different... Uh, we had mirrors on this wall. Mm -hmm. We had the recording stuff on this wall. We had... It was... It was you get what I'm saying. Yeah, it was yeah. exactly what it needed to be. Yeah. And then grew to a 4,000-square-foot wow. space in this warehouse building. And, man, there were so many different pockets for it. And then... Uh, eventually integrated with Healthy Hood, but that's again when everything made sense. Mm -hmm. Around the time where the young boy Adam Toledo, mm -hmm. he was he was murdered by the police, the Chicago police, and I don't know, I felt some type of way about it. Like it like it hurt me too much. I knew too many kids that looked like him, you know, and so we did a, a healing circle dance thing. Like had a bunch of dancers. We sat in a circle before. And we just shared energy and we spoke about it as a community. And there was like 150 people here. Mm. And maybe like two days later, we had went to our first event where we ever first met ever. Okay. And I brought a, a bunch of community members with me. And like the way she held space was very similar to our space. Like it was, we were, we were already connected before mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we were connected. So I was like, man, we definitely need to start checking them out a lot more. Like the, let's go see the community. It was like their community was just as big as our community. It was like, mm -hmm. it was, oh man, it was so cool. Mm -hmm. And cool. when you talked about this notion of consciousness, because going into the Chicago Public School, I would imagine many of the children have no idea what you're talking about. And that whole notion of awareness is just really lacking. How do you implement or guide young people to raise their consciousness? We've gotten better. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We've gotten better. I think... Again, like my programming was different. Mm -hmm. And so I used to come into spaces all the time real strong. Mm -hmm. Revolution, mm -hmm. you know, and it, we realized quickly, you know, like you people are not always ready for that. You know, like you have to do a certain level of really healing work mm -hmm. to be able to have people open up no matter what age they are to receive messages like that that mm -hmm. are bigger than themselves. Mm -hmm. When you're, when you're dealing with unprocessed trauma, it's hard to get outside of yourself. And so in the beginning, we were just like, yo, I used to pull a chair out in front of the class and be like, your mom's sitting right here. I'm going to put a gun to her head 20 years before she's supposed to die. What you going to do about it? 
And they'd be like, whoa, what? And I'm like, yeah, what you gonna do about it? You get mad when somebody steps on your shoe, your new shoe, you should be mad that this is happening. And it's the system that's taking our lives like that. And so we should have that. And it, I used to really base, base it on this righteous anger. And that was like my access point. We've evolved since then. And I think that's just a, the, the natural evolution of just knowing revolutionary history is like, we all kind of go through this process of being mad first. And so once I got through my righteous anger phase, where we are now, which is really just like, let's meditate with them, let's get them to a place where they feel safe, let's get them to kind of travel through their you know, trauma themselves and realize that where that stuff stems from is always going to be oppression and then, e you know, ease it in. And then, so it's more of a process now. And so we do a lot of meditation with students now, a lot of education, you know, and, and it, you know, they, they do still go through the righteous anger phase. We all do, oh, yeah. you know. We actually just had their prayers on the show uh, and one from their prayers and he was what? talking about the same thing. I'm a yeah. huge dead prayers. Mm -hmm. yeah. So you yeah. still yeah. blast that yeah. in April. <laughs> 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 it's coming back. It's coming yes. back up. I was like, literally college was hilarious. <laughs> but yeah, so and that's where we are now. It's just like, we're, we're not so, we don't come on so much anymore. And, and I think Sundays have, actually my, my journey with faith, I think our journey, because we, we kind of started our journey together to this point of getting to this place where we are like rooted in faith mm -hmm. and spirituality mm -hmm. because we really do is the older you get they realize we're just spiritual beings you know living a human experience and the sooner we can get our youth to understand that then the quicker we're going to progress because they won't fall for this i'm black you're brown mm -hmm. it'll be we're all you know spiritual beings mm -hmm. and there's a way to live in harmony and that something that's not a fantasy like that can actually exist. Idea of making conscious cool again. I use cool as such a like a a heavy mm -hmm. cool, like really, really cool. <laughs> but making it authentic because there there it's been diluted in so many different ways that it, it no longer it, it no longer holds the weight. Yeah. You know? And they they try too hard and we'll just say they the oppressor, the system, they try too hard to make conscious Cool, to mm -hmm. the point where it's no longer authentic, it's no longer pure, it no longer represents who I am. Mm -hmm. You know, like, we have some amazing people in our community, and because they are so unapologetically, authentically themselves, mm -hmm. that is the coolest thing in the world. And I need to see more of that because, again, without vision, the people perish, and we need to be able to visualize what that looks like. Mm -hmm. Like, we need to be able to see ourselves in our decadence. We need to be able to see ourselves in our higher, like, you know, like, we just need more examples of it. Yeah, I mean, and more examples of it at the community level, at the raw level, rather than through the lens of media. Come on. That's really the, yes. the issue. Because the power is in the people. That's what this show is about. The power is in the people. We just have to be, as as people in the community, proactive about going and seeing it. Mm -hmm. Proactive about going and seeing how these people are wielding the power over here and how these people are wielding power over here. And, you know, that's why I really wanted to get you guys on the show because you guys are just showing and proving that, you know, you're wielding the power and a lot of that is coming from how good you are at community building and being a place where people can come together and the skills from this side of the community can meet the people who need it from this side of the community. And I know you guys just had a big project with that, with the uh, crime drug. Can you speak a little bit more about it? 
So crying drought, oh, man, it's one of my favorite things so far. But you know we do a lot, so we got a lot of favorites. <laughs> so, yeah, I said that right. Yeah, my music too. We got a lot of favorites, man. I'm not too picky, but this this uh, definitely one of the most impactful. Crying drought. The the brand, the idea, the name came from our brother Mishan Ali from Trap House Chicago, and we were we were working on the concept of this. But we we were calling it something completely different. My wife and, uh, and I have been building this coalition, the CCIC, Chicago Coalition of Intercommunalism, mm -hmm. and it's grown to now like seventy-five plus organizations that represent Chicago individuals, entity. Like it's it's huge, and it's those people who are like actually boots on the ground doing the work, and it's it's, it's really amazing. So together we all put together this this tour where we stopped at a bunch of different portions of the city. We did Inglewood. We actually did two stops in Inglewood. Started and finished in Inglewood. Mm -hmm. We did West Garfield Park, Pilsen, Maywood. Um, Maywood. We, we did a bunch of different stops. Mm -hmm. And in those stops, we had a medical district where we gave HIV screenings. We, we did free vaccines, everything free. Mm -hmm. Everything at this point of the industry. The, we also did... A free grocery. Free, no, I'm talking about just for the medical district. Oh. But it was a bunch of resources there for the medical district. And then we did the free grocery store where, for us, um, we, well, we partnered with Dion's Dream Produce. He's amazing. If you guys don't know who Dion is, I definitely want to connect you guys with him. But uh, he's one of our partners with the Hood Method that, that allow us to do groceries to the doorstep. And he, he expands all over Chicago. So that, that is amazing. He stocked with also with... Is it ASN that helped? Alternative Schools Network. Our alternative Schools Network that also helps stock some of these stores. But Dion did all the produce, mm -hmm. so all the, the beautiful green. And, mm -hmm. it, was, it was so amazing. Mm -hmm. But the, the people who got to come in and shop, mm -hmm. they, they got to shop. There was no rules to it. It was like, do what you need to do. Like, mm -hmm. they, and once they figured out, like, oh, wait, this, this, they're calling everybody. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Family running from down. It's, uh -huh. it's so beautiful. It's the most beautiful interaction. And we we started with like all of our a lot of our cadre members. So it's mm. it's smiles. It's it's hugs. It's it, it was just so beautiful. One of the most uh, amazing experiences. Period. Is that's I was at the grocery store so much just mm. like to exchange energy with people. It was so beautiful. Yeah. We also had uh, the stage and there was live performances, political education. I would say chemistry builders to to really get community all gathered up and it, it was just so beautiful mm. there was food like hot foods we 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 had there it was just so much so mm -hmm. many different resources and we also hooked signed people up for the hood methods so that they can receive these resources past this because it's like our biggest thing is a lot of these non non-profit corporate organizations that'll come in uh, one for done and leave it's like charity and that really doesn't do anything in our community. So mm. our goal is to be able to spread the abundance of resources that we have. And again, there's a lot of different spaces that do this work. Yeah. So if our people can like just tap in with those, if we can we can meet them where they're at and tap in with them, then you know we're we're spreading these resources. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, we we have, like with crime drought, right? We think about I've been saying this lately and it's like something that has been like just regurgitating in my mind is that mm -hmm. charity without political education is a pacifier mm -hmm. and so what crime job is is this idea like that we can educate our community and get them to understand that crime is a business mm -hmm. it's a for-profit business mm -hmm. the prison industrial complex the public defenders the judges the cops 
all of those people get paid from crime. Mm -hmm. And so they actually need criminals in order to sustain their system, right? Mm -hmm. And so we can get our people to understand when they commit crime, they put money in the pockets of our oppressors. Crime drought is the concept of if there was a crime strike, a crime drought, mm -hmm. we would put the power back in the people's hands, mm -hmm. right? And so, yeah, we're getting people to come and, you know, really the groceries and the, and the entertainment and the vaccines and the free health care, these are resources that are just a way to engage our community in mm -hmm. to learn mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. what the true reason of their conditions are right. so that they can find a way to be a part of the solution and plugging them into more consistent resources mm -hmm. so it's not a one and done right. so that we can actually get to this goal of community sustainability because the truth is we do have an abundance mm -hmm. for those of us who've been to other countries like cuba we know that we have an abundance mm -hmm. even in the hoods of chicago mm -hmm. there is yeah. so much here and we've seen people like you the cubans sustain themselves with little to nothing, right? And so how do we create these basically systems of socialism if we think about it, right? A free grocery store, mm -hmm. free healthcare, mm -hmm. those are, that's just social, socialism. Mm -hmm. But instead of saying, if you had this, crime would reduce. If you, if you learned this, we would reduce crime. We would say, come and experience this, understand what this does. And because what you experience becomes what you know, now it's not a fantasy. It's more than a possibility because we've experienced it together. And so those activations are not just events, you know, because I've had, we've had conversations with funders where they're like, oh, this sounds like another event. And I'm like, no, 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 no. It's not just another event. This is how we politically educate our people. This is how we get them to plug into the solution. This is how we create community sustainability. We give them an experience, right? And experience in being a part of something, not coming and receiving charity because that's a pacifier. So once it's gone, it's gone, right? So that's what crime job really is. Yeah, beautiful. Because it's an experience with education, and then once the education is there, then you see it's just the smarter experience. Mm -hmm. Because to keep hearing our politicians talk about they will solve problems by putting more police on the street, it's just wow. like you have to understand it still hasn't we worked. are. We're, because it can't work, it's just business. It's just, you know, how can we increase profits? And there's a healthcare system too. Mm -hmm. They need oh, people yeah, to definitely. be sick. Definitely. There's no prevention in our definitely. healthcare system. Definitely, I wanted to come back to that because, you That's know, what we, this is all about we just talked about that in the last show, how much we have to change the perspective in our communities to see health as preventative. Because health is a lifestyle, like, you know, in the traditions in Africa, we come from, from birth, from the womb, you start working on your health. And then if you're working on your health, from the womb, you're not going to have to deal with disastrous health situations. In the West, in Chicago, it's like we're educated to build a disaster and then the disaster falls on us and we're like, what happened? Oh no, woe is me. But we didn't understand that we were educated to be, to be investing in that disaster since, mm -hmm. since birth since every Halloween, mm -hmm. since every time we just wrecking the body with sugar and not doing Investing anything to, to build sick. up the body. We invest to be sick. So that's a big point that, that you said. I just want to come back to it because I see how you guys are, are really trying to attack that investment in our health, you know, on not only the individual level, but also the community level. We want to, you know, give you your flowers for that. <laughs> We're very grateful that you all came because, again, the platform that you have is something that we hope that can spread to other cities, communities as well. The Earth Center, we would also like to find ways that we can network and do some things together. Oh, yeah. they, they know this is just the beginning. 
Yes, yes. yes. Very much the beginning. And then we can also get into that whole notion of unplugging from the system as well, because that is really where our true evolution will come from, is being able to unplug from the system, that's because right. that's what is hurting us in the big scheme of things. We're so reliant upon the system, so reliant on their services, so reliant on all those things. How Adam was talking about, we have to learn how to be able to self-sustain, monetize our own creativities, our own uh, gifts and talents, and not be so reliant upon the system in that way. And not be exclusionary either, mm -hmm. right? Because we've seen certain organizations be able to do that, mm -hmm. right? Um, sure. Some usually like religious organizations mm -hmm. being able to create this like sustainability amongst themselves, but it is to a degree exclusionary. So how can we adopt some of those things? Yes. You know, but still be inclusive. Definitely, 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 because it's just you know human problems we face, and mm -hmm. then we just make it complicated by saying, "Hey, you humans stay on that side, while we try to deal with it." Right. Right. So and, that, and don't come for our solutions because that means we don't have them. No, don't. Where's the logic? Scarcity mindset. Yeah. Yeah. Scarcity yeah. mindset. Definitely. Well, I want to thank you guys for coming on. You know, I know you got to get to your next battle. Like I said, you know, <laughs> the revolution is not over. But like, like I said, this is just the beginning. And you know, I love to hear Alan talk. So we got to have him back just because everything's beautiful. Everything's my favorite. <laughs> yeah. <you know? laughs> we just had our comrade, Dolomar gone to Cuba with her a couple of times now and she visited us last night and she calls him Black Boy Joy. So, <laughs> <laughs> that's his nickname. Uh, yeah. I, love, I love life, man. <laughs> yeah, that's good. You got to. You got to. Because even with all of challenges. challenges in life, all of the suffering happening, you know, in the oppression, the power of the people and the beauty of that power when it expresses itself is something phenomenal. Mm -hmm. So... We definitely thank you all for coming and sharing. Well, wait, what about the sun salutations? I would like to hear about that. Uh, Casabez from behind the camera wants to hear about. We start it. We start. we start every cadre meeting with sun salutations, for the purpose of just, you know, getting our physical, spiritual, and mental to align, so that I know that people are. I don't know that. So that we know that everyone's present, <laughs> right? Uh, we have a very diverse cadre, so like we actually the. When I say we, I mean the older folk, which I'm in my 30s now, mm -hmm. uh, are the minority <laughs> because they're all young, you know? Well, what's I'm saying? We're the, like, I'm the oldest, you know? Like, everybody else is younger than me. And so getting there, I mean, we just talked about, like, you know, attention spans and stuff like that. Like, getting there, focus there is important, and then just having some kind of discipline, right, is important. Every January 1st, I do a yoga mala. I'd love to invite you all here okay, in Chicago. It's 108 sun salutations. It takes about oh, two wow. and a half, three hours. Mm. We have herbs, things like that. And each round of nine is an intention that we set for the year. So we start the year off on January 1st like that. Mm -hmm. But I guess for it's not that we have some kind of like, I don't know. It's not that we're like super yogis, you know? It's just like <laughs> that was something that I connected with. And, yeah. and I found, you know, a way to, like, get myself aligned mm -hmm. through it. And mm -hmm. it's become just, like, a, a common practice for the organization now. Mm -hmm. we, we do do drills, too. So we have formations and things like that. Practice, like, militant style, like, mm -hmm. things like that as well. Mm -hmm. But the Sundays is, like... I say like my see the Sundays are my contribution and the drills are his, okay. and I think because I bring like that feminine like mm -hmm. you know, and then he brings like you know we'll be real mm -hmm. about this mm -hmm. so yeah. Gotcha. 
It's the Sunny Side Podcast. So yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> True. Sunny Side. Right on. Okay, well, thank you all again for coming on. I don't want to hold you up too, too long. We appreciate your time. Thank you. Thank you for having project. And then uh, we will definitely call you back when you, know, you have some big projects going on you want to promote. Come on. We'll be here for that. Okay. See thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I'm back, y'all, again. So that was inspiring. I've really been wanting to get them in here for a while because, you know, they're really out here doing the work, putting the work in and proving that the powers with the people, we can, you know, come together, work together to solve the problems that we're facing. It's depending on others. Man, you've been talking about healthy hood, healthy hood, healthy hood. I'm going to go to healthy hood. We got to get healthy hood. I'm like... Whatever, man. Help you. <laughs> yeah, it's very. I mean, no, but seriously, you know, there's a lot of organizations out here doing things, and it's like, you know, this one for sure has a, a vibe and a, like a fresh energy that that I, I really didn't anticipate, but I'm very impressed by it. And, you know, so it's it's great to see, you know, especially young people coming together and, and unifying. Yes. And On so many levels. Right. That was what's most amazing right. so, because they have like a depth to them where it's not just this community of, of dancers or artists. And not mm -hmm. to say there's anything wrong with that, but the depth that they're trying to right. take their movement, it's, it has a lot of reach and potential. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And why was also just important to me to get them on is because a lot of people are like you said a lot of people a lot of organizations are doing work in the city we tend to stay in our own corners with our own communities that look like us and we don't find out what's happening in another community right around the corner right that's dealing with the same problems we're dealing with right. it's just like we stay in our designated places the places that the system designated for each one of us and the identities that the system allocated to each one of us we stay you know confined by those and i think it's really important that chicago we start breaking those and put in our, our energy, our intelligence, our organizations together to, you know, overcome the situations that we face. Which brings us to our proverb for this episode, which says that it takes more than one set of hands to put the roof on the hut, to roof your house. When you're building your house, even if you think you can build the whole thing by yourself, you're gonna have to go and get somebody's help to put the roof on it and finish it. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing is that, you know, we live together in this city, but we need more than just, you know, our, ourselves and even, you know, our own work to make things function. And, you know, going, checking out Healthy Hood, really get into, sit in on some of their events and start to, you know, participate in some of their activities. It's just an example of that. Like, you know, we have something over here, they have something over there. Bringing those energies together just makes both sides stronger. And then what we can do in our communities, who we can reach is a further reach. So 
it was a special interview. Yeah, their their perspective is so fresh. I mean, coming from the talking about how Chicago was so segregated, and then you know wanting to bridge those barriers, wanting to bridge those gaps between communities, mm-hmm. it's very refreshing, you know. And when when we think about this proverb, I think it's really very apropos to the community situation, or let's say our our citywide situation, because you know, like how they were wanted to say, okay, we want resources for everybody. We're not going to just speak up to deny some people because other people aren't getting it. Mm-hmm. You know, let them get theirs and let us get ours. Everyone should get, you know. And when, <clears throat> when you look at a village, you know, it might seem like a simple thing to say that it takes more than one person to build a, a roof on a hood. But, like, if you just take into context, like, the whole village situation, it's not a it's not a situation of people coming together around the monetary system. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. no, you're not going to be paying your neighbor to help you build your put the roof on your right. head. But everyone in the village will come together to build one person's house or mm-hmm. fix one person's roof or put a roof up on their house mm-hmm. because they know one day they're going to need a roof on their house too. They're, they're going to need the they're going to need the help of the whole community. Yes to put the roof on their house Mm -hmm. so or whatever it is they need there they come together and fulfill each other's needs exactly definitely that's just the intelligence of natural living and a natural way of of life Mm -hmm. Uh, we get so caught up in the like you were talking about the monetary system and Mm -hmm. we lose sight of our humanity Mm -hmm. and the people building and helping one another is is really something we have to get more uh, consideration to going through the pandemic we see how isolated people became and how depressing uh, that can be because we really do need people we need community mm-hmm. and we have to be able to recognize the strengths and weaknesses of, of each other mm-hmm. and bring those uh, together to build the world that we want to see so I'm, I'm just so inspired by those young people that I'm just really going to, I'm sure, be meditating, especially during this fasting period, mm-hmm. about what that really means and how can that uh, inspire us to, to move forward as well. Definitely. So we also want to thank you, the listener, who we also depend on. If you're not listening, there's no need to do the show. But we also depend on you because we want to hear from you. Whatever uh, challenges you're facing, any any amazing, inspirational people that you know out in the community doing, doing great work to bring more resources to more people, please let us know. Hit us up. Drop a comment. And, you know, make yourself known. The squeaky wheel is the one that gets the oil. So please, you know, whatever we facing, let's put our minds together. Let's go out and connect with other people to, to find solutions to those problems. And right now we're focused on healing. So anyone who knows great people, you know, dealing with any facet of health, whether it's physical health, psychological health, mental health, spiritual health, whatever type of health, some type of health we don't even know about yet, let us know. Uh, thank you all thank you all for listening we appreciate you and to make sure you don't miss great episodes like this make sure you like subscribe and hit the notification ding dong thing and then you will keep you in the loop life can be so sweet on the sunny side of the street